Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross What's up, you guys? It is Wednesday. It is The List and your boy number 26. It's going to be hard to follow last night's show. Jimmy, did you watch it? Uh, the, the post-Mackdown show. Yeah. We're going to get there. We're going to do a pop quiz this week, Sean. Well, based on what happened last night, we should probably do a poop quiz. Well, we could do that too. So you're, you're stealing my thunder with the pop quiz a little bit because I had that planned, you know? Uh-huh. So what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw, during the course of the show, I'm going to throw a few uh, words or names or sayings at you sure. to, to see if you recognize the reference. Okay. And the first one that I was going to ask you about was, do you know what FMT is? Uh, AKA bacterial therapy. That was going to be the first thing that I asked. Is you. that poop doping? Uh, that would be, uh, it's called fecal microbiota transplant. And that's essentially like you guys talked about when you, uh, you find a healthy donor, you take their shit and you put it in your own. I, I think they put it in their own intestines uh, and they do it to help with colitis, which is uh, inflammation of the colon. Yes. Now, now I, I tuned in late last night. Uh, were you guys talking about Justine Kish? Is that where that came from? Somewhat, I, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Which it's funny because on Ride Along this week, Corey Graves tells a pant shitting story about Steve Cutler in NXT. So, I remember uh, Weidman told one too. Chris Weidman. That's very true. That right. is true. So you should tell people quickly about the Justine Kish thing in case they're not MMA fans. So the other night, Justin Keish competed at UFC's Oklahoma City event. We have a post-show podcast up uh, on the site for that where we talk about this at length. And we discussed it on yesterday's, one of our flagship shows along with this, Holy Smokes MMA. Felice Herrig had Justin Keish in a real tight rear naked choke. I mean real tight. Like, probably should have put her out. No. Justin Keish wasn't having it and shit her pants! Shit all over the place. Shit and... You want to know what's funny? She followed me on Twitter yesterday. Really? Yeah. After after all of this, what a sweetheart. How would she have heard about you? Like, what, How would what, she have heard? I'm, I'm, I'm a giant celebrity. I'm, I'm How going dare on I? tour. I've been in San Antonio. I'll be yeah. in Toronto. I'll be in Orlando right. in September. Lexington, right. Cincinnati. I hit up all the, all the cities be, doing things. Have you ever flown over a body of water? Ever? The Ohio River. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> you might have a little bit of ways to go yet, but you will get there. You will get there. But uh, no, I saw you guys talking about it, and I saw you make a reference to, oh, shit, I better do my research because Jimmy's probably going to hit me with this. Yeah. And you're damn right. I did my research. And get this, Sean. There is a website out there called thepowerofpoop.com. And get this, this website, thepowerofpoop.com, gives you step-by-step instructions on how to do the fecal transplant at home, how to do it yourself at home. Yeah, I read this article that Jeff sent me about this woman who did it herself and started winning pro cycling races after doing it. Yeah. My question would be, how would they find the healthy shit donor, and and how would they know that the shit is healthy? Well, supposedly there's a microorganism or something like that that only a small percentage of elite athletes, of, of many elite athletes have, like, and very few non-elite athletes carry it. Hmm. So it's it's removed, inserted, and you retain that microorganism, but apparently... Like, it helped her fight Lyme disease and all kinds really? of stuff. Like, yeah, it's pretty gross, hmm. to be honest and with a, you. Apparently, you can also get your shit freeze-dried, and then you can take it in capsule form orally. Oh, wow. Do you think this yeah. is going to be the cologne's new gimmick? You know what? That's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. It could be like their Titus brand, where they're telling the other talent, if you sign with us as your agent, we're going to give you our shit capsules. And then it's going to make you perform better in the ring, right? I don't know if their shit capsules would sell too hot based on their performance in the ring, though. Well, you know, you got to start somewhere. I mean, Titus wasn't working out, and now he's awesome. So Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, that wasn't based on their on his genetics, though. That was just that he could lead them. It's true. That's I mean, true. He's going to TED Talks and stuff. I'd trust him over some uh, duty-shilling jobbers. But it'd be unique, though, right? If, 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 can you ever think of a time in wrestling history when there was a tag team and their gimmick was that they were trying to peddle shit capsules onto other talent on the roster? You well, want creativity? I mean, there, there's very a lot of times when I watch wrestling, I feel like I'm being peddled shit capsules <laughs> already. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like Tamina, I'm sorry, Tamina. I don't know why I say Tamina. Tamina saying, you'll look like Ellsworth. You know, I, I used to call Matt Riddle the shit-eating wild man of professional Remember. wrestling, but this gives yeah. it a whole new meaning. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's how Matt got good. Maybe he underwent a do-it-yourself uh, FMT. Maybe he's the donor. Maybe he's the donor. Who knows? Get some side revenue. I, uh, I want to tell you a little story today. You always do. I do. And uh, so uh, as, as you guys may or may not know, I'm bringing Sean in uh, late July for a baseball game. And I hit up Showdown Joe and told him to come to the game. So this week on the Holy Smokes podcast, you guys were talking about it. And Joe was making a joke about, oh, I've been kicked out of, a, I've been kicked out of the Sky Dome, right? Yeah. And you called him out on it. And then he admitted, okay, fine, I'm kidding. I haven't been kicked out of the Sky Dome. My story is that I have been kicked out of the Sky Dome. It's- legitimately... No, now keep in mind, one time you told me a story about you sneaking yep. onto the field yes. by lying about being Kelly Gruber's cousin. That was another time. That was another time. Yeah. So I was I was 20 or 21, uh, and they had the Jays were a hot ticket in Toronto. I think they had just won two World Series, and then they had the lockout year, remember? 
Yes. And I, think, I think it was the year after that. And so they were a really hot ticket. I, I want to say heartbreaking uh, season for both Canada and Cincinnati because those were two of the three or four teams really in the mix in 1994. Oh, for uh, sure. Mon- Montreal and, of course, you never know what will happen in the second season. I'm sure the Blue Jays, I don't know what their record was that year, would have loved for a chance to three-peat, but the Yankees oh, yeah. were really good too. For sure, for sure. So I, I'm not from Toronto. I'm from a small town, but I visited Toronto with a friend, and we decided while we were here, let's go to a Jays game. And because they were a hot ticket, we decided to go to a scalper. Because as you'll see when you're here, the scalpers are everywhere. I'm sure it's like that in Cincinnati too. Yes. So we bought a, a pair of seats from the scalper. They were like 10, 15 rows up along the first baseline. Really good seats. We, we're really happy. We go to our seats. We've got a great view. Everything's awesome. And then the real owners of the ticket showed up and uh, asked us who we were, wanted to see our seats, called security, security asked us, where'd you get your tickets? And we were asked to go with them. And we kind of wondered, like, are we going to baseball jail? Like, what uh, what happens in this situation? Is there, like, bars at the Sky Dome somewhere, you know? But they kicked us out. And uh, so we did the one th- only one thing that we could have done, Sean, in that situation. We hunted down the scalper. Ooh. Because it's, it's the only outcome. So we hunted down the scalper, and he saw us coming. I remember it like it was yesterday. He saw us coming. And at that moment, he was in the middle of a transaction with another a pair of people, like another couple or whatever. Yeah. And he had, he had their cash in his hand. They had just given him the cash and he had it in his hand. And as soon as he saw us walking up, he looks at us and he goes, gentlemen, is there a problem? And I look at him and I go, yeah, there's a problem. You fucked us. And as soon as I said it, that couple yanked the money out of his hand and threw the tickets at him and walked away. And uh, I think he recognized, number one, there's two of them. Number two, we were like 2021. 20, he was in his 40s, probably. And number three, there's police all over. Yeah. So he gave us our money back, and he gave us a free pair of tickets in, like, the nosebleeds. And were, we they, were they good tickets? No, they were in the nosebleeds. The no, new no, tickets. I mean, I meant, were the tickets real? No, no. <laughs> no. Now he now he had, now he claimed that his source his uh, what do you call it I guess his his uh, his wholesaler or whatever he claimed that they're typically on the up and up and that this is not a normal thing that happens to him but at the same time he gave the money back very willingly like very easily yeah but that's what happened that. yeah so I did get kicked out of the Sky Dome but I also got to go back to that game and watched it anyway damn. Well, I was joking. I told Joe I was going to get him kicked out of the Sky Dome, but I don't really want to. Well, man. you know this about Joe. Like Joe, Joe, you and I know this. He likes to joke around about the wild man he is, but most of the time he's joking. Yeah. Right? So when he said he was kicked out of the Sky Dome, I kind of knew that probably wasn't the case. <laughs> and and my story's not a fun one. I didn't get yeah. hammered, and, and I wasn't belligerent, and I just I bought scalper tickets. What are you doing, man? Your your entire face is taking up my screen turning right now. On, turning on my face light here. People got uh, people got to see this. Ah, uh, yes. See this. Uh, so you're you're gorgeous. So um, you okay. You said it, not me. Yeah. So back to the pop quiz, and you already kind of addressed this one, so you might know this this quote. Okay. I love you, and I believe in you. Well, that certainly ain't you on this podcast. Um, you don't know it because you, you, you touched upon it. No. That would be what Titus O'Neill said on the TED Talk. Oh, yeah. At UCLA. 
And the reason I'm telling this is because I'm going to start using this. So Titus said on that talk or in that speech that he was the uh, he was born out of rape. His mother was 12 years old when he was born and he ended up at a ranch for troubled youth in Florida and he was in trouble all the time. And a guy that worked at the ranch named Pat Minogue said to him, I love you and I believe in you. And Titus said he's always remembered that and he and he, he kind of figured out he wasn't, you know, a bad kid and now he does a lot of speeches and everything, right? Yeah. The reason I made note of this is because there are times oh, Jesus. For, pe- for people that don't know Sean Ross. Jesus Christ. Okay. I'm gonna tell you something. This whenever guy. Whenever Sean doesn't know how to do something. Oh boy. Right? Uh, 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 let me finish. Whenever he doesn't know how to do something, or if he thinks something's going to be tedious or hard to get done, he pushes back a lot. Like like that fourteen hour day I put in on Sunday, right? No, you 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 know what I'm talking that, about. That you didn't Whenever, hear about until now, right? When right. you're out of your comfort zone, right? When you're out of your right. comfort. <laughs> how about you know that, how about right. that twelve hour day I put in on Monday, right? You know what I'm talking about. When he's out of his comfort zone, he pushes back. So what I have learned is that the next time I need to take him out of his comfort zone, filtering the raw results like we talked about this morning, mm. when I got to take you out of your comfort zone and you start to push back, I'm going to take a breath, Sean, <laughs> and I'm going to pause for a minute, and then I'm going to say, Sean Rossap, I love you, and I believe in you. It's not about filtering the raw results. I don't give a shit to do that. Me and Alex are paid salary to do that. The thing is, I think it's straight doty to separate like Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, all that stuff. Just put it under WWE pay per view. No, we're gonna, gonna we do gonna, it. We're gonna list one year. We we've been around one year, not even one year, zero point nine nine years. We're gonna be around for years, Sean. Of course we are. And so why and, not add that then? How do you know that I'm not gonna assign you the task of watching all the other Survivor Series? You could in order to in order to get results to put in there. There'd be some good content, honestly. I could do uh, re- retro review shows. I could do that. I don't care. Right. So you need to yeah, you need to have foresight. You know, you need to have foresight. You need to listen to my guidance, and this is why. I thought you were about to say to... foreskin. I was like, we three weeks oh, in a row. Three weeks yeah, in a row, we're doing this. We've covered that. My I I no longer have that, so we can't talk about that. You no but, longer uh, have that. Jimmy, we talked about this. I told you I was taken care of a long time ago. Yeah, I know, but damn. So, uh, so yeah. So whenever, whenever you're uh, a bit of a pain, I'm gonna pause and I'm gonna say, Sean Rossap, I love you and I believe in you. That's what I'm gonna say, and then things will get done. You so. know, I always like to say, you never should have to tell people how hard you're working; they'll notice it. But I'll just say, guys, while I'm on this podcast, I'm crossing the forty-hour threshold this week. As Jimmy, as Jimmy's like, I love you and I believe in you. <laughs> you might as well but sit you, there and say, if it's going to be a win, make it a win. No, but you love what you do, right? Oh, of course. And let me tell you something, and anybody on my team will tell you this. When things are good, you don't hear from me. When yeah. things are bad, I'm on your ass, right? Yeah. That's how I manage. I don't micromanage anybody. Like so I people leave those Skype notifications off. That was nice yesterday morning. I was like, "Damn, it's so quiet. What's going on?" But how often do I bug you on Skype? Nah, how not often? Much. Not much. No, no, it's pretty easy. Roy okay, Soria says that's illegal, bro. He's overworking you. Nah, nah. whatever. Yeah. And there was another question I had. Somebody like had mentioned something like, 
well, you have Alex now, and you have David as a as a lead MMA writer. Doesn't that free up time? I didn't ever want them to free up time. I wanted them to reallocate time. Like right. that way, I could use that time to do additional stuff and other stuff. Right. Right. You gotta have the right type of mentality when you're building a website. You know something, man? When when we started this company, myself and my business partner, we always said we wanted no more than like five employees mm-hmm. because I believe in keeping a lean operation. Yeah. And now we got thirty just because there's not enough hours in the day. I mean, yeah. it just it just happened. You know? It's I I consider myself very fortunate in what I do because I don't know how many writers we started with a year ago, but I'll tell you this. There have been places I worked, and immediately after I left, and I'm not talking about the last place I worked, uh, many of the places I've worked, I did so many different things, my job was replaced by five or six people. Then they would hire 10 to 11 people. Since we launched last year, we've I think we've had two or three people who are not with us anymore and that's unbelievable i'm talking like out of 15 20 writers mm-hmm. like rob and and the reason they left are justin go lightly left for a full-time job mm-hmm. um which uh good for him ne- never gonna keep anybody from doing that rob mccarran left in part because he was in talks with the flow slam thing mm-hmm. and there was another fella that i kind of had to let go outside of like some some people that would do odd jobs and stuff for us that we just didn't bring back I mean, our writer, like, the turnover's been great, and that's really good because a lot of people love the idea of doing stuff like this mm-hmm. more than they like the execution of actually doing this. And f- by the way, guys, if you're in my inbox and you're saying, I want to write for Fightful, I want to write for Fightful, I don't even look or consider submissions unless you, unless you have a sample. Right, absolutely. Do not even message me unless right. you have a sample. If you got a sample, cool, I'll look at it, but... Everybody wants to do it, but it's a matter if you will do it and you do do it. And fortunately, I've found some real like gold nuggets in like Joe Holbert, who started to do that uh, the the report card stuff. Man, that stuff's taken off. People like that. Mm-hmm. Carlos is becoming one of the best boxing writers I know. So yeah, you, you just never know what you'll stumble upon. I like the reference about the nugget because we just talked about FMT, so uh, well done. Ah. And uh, and that was well-spoken, Sean. I love you and I believe in you. So well-spoken. Ah, Jesus Christ. Uh, okay, let's go on to the next uh, next little pop quiz. I'm going to throw a name at you. Mm-hmm. Odds are you're not going to know who this is, but that's cool because nobody else probably will either. Okay. Um, do you know the name Bruce and Harriet Nyborg? Bruce and Harriet Nyborg. Um, I do. Without Googling it. Without Googling it. I do. And who is that? Something, something, Glengarry, Glen Ross. How do you know that? I Googled it. Like just now? Yeah, I work on a computer all day, Jimmy. I can type kind of fast. You got it that fast. Oh my God. That's impressive. So Bruce Nyborg is the name that I want to give to Ed Nordholm, who is the president of Impact Wrestling. And do you know another name? Do you know the name Big Tom Callahan? Big Tom Callahan, you say? Go ahead and Google it. From Tommy Boy? From Tommy Boy. Yeah, good job. So Big Tom Callahan played the father of Chris Farley and Tommy Boy, and his character in that movie was like a supreme salesman, was Big Tom Callahan. That is my name today for Jeff Jarrett. And as a matter of fact, I'm not an awards guy, Sean, 
You know, I, I, I don't watch the Oscars and I don't watch the Emmys and that shit. And I'm not a big fan of the wrestling awards either. So like the Wrestling Observer Awards, I couldn't care less about that stuff. It's all, it's all subjective and I just don't care. But sure. uh, today I want to award two mid-year awards, two Fightful.com mid-year awards today. Uh, I want to give the Vince McMahon Award for Brilliant Wrestling Executive of the Year to Jeff Jarrett. And I want to give the Dixie Carter Award for Naive Halfwit Wrestling Executive of the Year to Ed Nordholm. And you know why I want to do this? Yeah, I do. So a press release came out today. We're filming this on uh, June 28. A press release came out, and I'm going to read the top of this. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to read the top. Anthem Wrestling Exhibitions, LLC, a subsidiary of Anthem Sports and Entertainment Corp. and parent company of Impact Wrestling, announced today that it has entered into an agreement to acquire Global Force Entertainment LLC, DBA, Global Force Wrestling. And here's the other piece of this I want to read. Jeff Jarrett, the founder of both Impact Wrestling and Global Force Entertainment, will join Anthem Wrestling Exhibitions as a member of his board of managers, equity owner, and chief creative officer. So let's put this in perspective. Because we've talked about this before, and you know my opinion on this. Mm -hmm. So Jeff Jarrett in 2015 created a promotion called Global Force Wrestling. He had uh, uh, a, a, a brand name. He had a logo made, a nice cute little logo with some green in it. He uh, had, a, he had a website. What's wrong with green? On the website. No, I'm, I'm just putting it into, into perspective. He had a website where he sold 8x10s of himself and his wife, Karen Jarrett, who, by the way, Karen Jarrett was quoted in the press release, Sean. Yeah. They actually got a quote from Karen Jarrett in the press release. Hey, you want an award? Here, here's an award. I give her my 2015 promo of the year because I thought that her promo – when they did their little return to uh, Impact a couple years ago in right. the GFW storyline, I thought that was the best promo I heard all year. That's great. Congratulations, so, Karen. Yeah, yeah. So to put this into perspective, so he come up, came up with a domain name. He sold 8x10s of himself. He got a few sold shows at minor league ballparks. He did a television taping. I think Chill Sonnen was a commentator and Bobby Roode was on the show and whoever the hell else was on the show. Yeah. And that's literally all they've ever done. He comes back to Impact Wrestling. The only television exposure, Sean, that Global Force Wrestling has ever had, okay, mm-hmm. was on Impact Wrestling television. Yeah. Hey. So Global Force Wrestling was a non-entity with no rec- brand recognition, no television coverage until it was brought on to Impact Wrestling television. And somehow... Jeff Jarrett is able to take that non-entity, that non-existent bullshit promotion, sell it to Anthem, and get equity out of it and get a new title. What's his title? Uh, Chief Creative Officer. I, I told everybody that they were really underrating how smart slash, you know, you could, you could throw in a whole lot of other terms there yes, that Jeff yes. Jarrett is. I'll say this. I don't think it's a secret that you know, I used to talk to – well, still do talk to Matt Hardy every once in a while. And I talked to him throughout his exit from Impact. And there's a lot of things I couldn't say. There's a lot of things I still can't say from both sides, from Jeff Jarrett, from Matt Hardy, because of pending legal situations. 
he was right in everything that he said and every bit of every angry message that I got from him ended up being true. And you see it a little bit now with Shane too. Shane is not a real bitter dude. A lot of people think that Shane is a bitter dude because Shane is a straight up like I'm not going to bullshit you about anything type of deal. Yeah. He was he was on screen for Impact Wrestling openly praising WWE programming at times. You didn't used to see that. And he straight up said, I don't like the guys running the company. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a North Carolina-less Impact Wrestling very soon because the Hardys are gone, mm. uh, Shane's gone, Andrew Everett is injured, Trevor Lee, who Shane helped bring in, not on Slammiversary this Sunday. Okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Uh, the first thing I want to do, actually, I want to explain who Bruce and Harriet Nyborg are because I kind of uh, went over that quickly. So in the movie Glengarry Glen Ross which is a movie about a sales office and you've got younger guys that are like killing it. And then you've got the older guys that are struggling. Jack Lemon plays a character in that movie named Shelley Levine. And there's a scene where Jack Lemon, who's been struggling to get sales comes to the office, braggadocious saying, I just closed a big new deal. And it turned out that the sale was to Bruce and Harriet Nyborg. And Bruce and Harriet Nyborg was an old couple with no money who were delusional and they would sign anything you put in front of them because they liked the company. They liked having salespeople visit them because they liked the company. So Ed Nordholm, I might from here on out call him Bruce Nyborg uh, because that's essentially what he has become in this scenario. Jeff Jarrett, who I said is like Big Tom Callahan. Yeah. David Spade has a line in the movie Tommy Boy about Big Tom Callahan. He says he could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves. And what can you say that Jeff Jarrett was able to take a non-existent bullshit entity, get television exposure, get paid for that television exposure because he was paid salary, and now he has essentially sold it. And I'm sure you got something financial in that deal, sold it to Anthem, and he's now the uh, – he's got equity ownership. It's, it's mind-boggling. After – keep in mind, he traded in his remaining shares of impact. Right. To get GFW on Impact TV two years right. ago. And right. to be inducted into their Hall of Fame and get a title run. Right. Now, keep in mind, I'll never... Uh, GFW filmed two years ago. Yes. Here are some of the names that were on GFW's first TV tapings. Magnus, Bobby yeah. Roode, um, Kurt Hawkins... Sanjay Dutt, who is Impact Wrestling X Division Champion. Chris Adonis in Impact. Lady Tapa, who since then has fought for Ryzen FC. Mickey James, who is on Raw. Kushida, who is in New Japan and Ring of Honor, all this stuff. Sonata, who's back in New Japan. You had a lot of interesting names there. Yeah, Eric Young, who now in WWE. You got so many of these guys, it's been so long. Davey Boy Smith Jr. back in New Japan. Gallows and Anderson are in WWE. Who knows? Uh, do, you, do you think those ever see the light of day? Do they ever release them now? I think the fight, the, the fight Network will probably air it. Yeah. Uh, the problem is nobody watches the Fight Network. Yeah. And I, I can tell you as a guy living in Canada, because that's where the Fight Network is primarily based, nobody watches it. It's a paid channel with a minimal viewership. Uh Maybe they'll digitize it and put it on the website or something, but it's it's not it's gonna be it's gonna do very little. I was joking around with a friend today when I was telling him about this story. I've got footage from 15 years ago 
with Eric Young and Bobby Roode and Nova and Mikey Whipwreck and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I could take that footage and probably do just as much with it as they're going to do with Global Force Wrestling. If, and then, sorry, go ahead. If I'm them, I run the Christina Von Erie match where she beats Mickey James. I run the uh, Chris Adonis match where he beats Kurt Hawkins. And I run the match where Magnus beats Bobby Roode, and I have Magnus on my TV. Uh, I would do those things. At least you can, to some fool, they will get the perception that Impact's guys are a little above. I mean, you're, you're showing them beating WWE guys currently in matches that haven't been released. I mean, you can pull off a little TJP. He's on there. He's on those tapings. It's so weird the way that it all works. Let me out. ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let's say that WWE issued a press release, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say that that press release announced that WWE had just acquired Zack Ryder's Internet Championship belt, <laughs> right? And let's say that the press release said that they've acquired the Internet Wrestling Championship belt and they are going to give Zack Ryder stock in the company. How ludicrous would it sound if that press release came out? It would sound crazy. Pretty weird, right? Right? That's exactly what just happened. Well, the only thing... That's exactly what just happened. The only thing I can think of is maybe they want those title belts that look way better than theirs. That's it. That's that's all they're worth. Go to Wildcat and get a maid. Wildcat's pretty awesome. I'm still waiting for you to get one made for me. Yeah, because you asked me where mine was made, and I told you that's where I got it done. I did, and I looked, and I think... I feel like that may be where Shane gets his made, too. Shane... uh, Man, Shane... Helms is ahead of the game on that stuff. Him and Danny Cage and these independent promotions that go and get their own belts made. These two that you see behind me are like mass-produced things that like the local indie like booked us to win and stuff. And you see them everywhere. They're okay. They're fine. But man, nothing stands out like your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I don't get. It. But here, here's an interesting one. You know who was supposed to wrestle for Global Force Wrestling but didn't, right? Diana Perazzo. I spoke to Diana Perazzo uh, this week. She's been everywhere. At 23 years old, she's already been on SmackDown, uh, NXT, Ring of Honor, Impact, over in Stardom. And I talked to her about how she evolved as a wrestler so young. Obviously, I couldn't... We, she's not allowed to reveal she's in the Mae Young Classic, but I want you all to take a little look at uh, one of the at part of the conversation I had with Diana Perazzo. We talked a little bit about, or I mentioned that uh, they've seen you on NXT and SmackDown Live. You were you were a part of the the angle that launched La Luchadora. Now, yeah. how many how many tweets did you get accusing you of being La Luchadora during that period? <laughs> I mean, I still get tweets about it, or um, if people come up and meet me, ask me about it. So, uh, countless. I, I couldn't tell you how much. Were you ever under the hood? I don't know. Oh. No. Um, it was revealed to be Mickey James, so I, I don't know who it was. Well, we'll just trust that it was her. Uh, many <laughs> many may know, many may not know that you actually went through a WWE tryout at one point. What was that process like for you? Um, I think it was a bit of a, a weird situation for me because I had already worked um, NXT quite a few times before I had been given a tryout. So... I knew a lot of the coaches and the trainers um, and a lot of the superstars that, that run the camp and, and help out with it. So um, it was a unique situation because 
I kind of felt, I don't want to say comfortable, but I I didn't really have anything to prove because they had seen everything that I had had. You know what I mean? I think it was a bit more of like a formality than anything um, because I had been on their programming for months straight at that point. Who's the type, who's the person that reaches out to you to say, hey, we like you, uh, we're going to give you a tryout? Do you hear about that like when you're in town for NXT or does somebody give you a call? Um, for me, it happened, uh, I wrestled Nia Jax um, on NXT my very first time. And right after they were like, hey, we're going to give you a tryout, um, you should receive information in the next few weeks so um it kind of happened in, in person for me but i think typically you'd get like a an email saying we invite you um you know stay you know stay tuned for a formal invitation uh but for me it was just kind of like you're gonna do this i've had some people that would tell me that it's the most grueling thing they've ever been through we've got matt riddle who said that it, it was second nature to him how did you feel during that because i've seen them live the tryouts and <laughs> They they want to test you. They want to make sure that you're not going to blow up. Yeah. Um, I, I think coming in as a wrestler, um, it's kind of, at least my opinion on it was, if I could make it through the first, first month of wrestling training, um, you can make it through that. But it, it, it's not as much physical as it is mental. Um, and for me, a lot of like the cardio drills and the blow-up drills, you know, I just kept trying to tell myself, like, you wrestled an hour in front of Rip Rogers. You've done this. You've done that. Like you could get through this. So mentally, I think it, it's more challenging than it is physically. Um, but I will say that I, I came out of it with such a respect for people who um, aren't wrestlers and and have this opportunity and take it head on because um, you know a, a flip bump is second nature to a wrestler. But you know, as a six foot six, two hundred and sixty pound NFL linebacker, you know what I mean. That's not something you would ever do in your life so I think for people who aren't wrestlers that um, have a goal of becoming a WWE superstar and this is their way in uh, I think it's a lot more grueling I remember Taz telling me once that if he's at the supermarket and he if he slips on milk he's gonna fall and he's gonna be okay while an NFL player might not be just because he, he yeah. knows how to take care of himself I know you're not allowed to reveal to us if you're going to be in the May Young Classic, but uh, what are your thoughts on WWE running a tournament like that? They're they're going all in. Yeah, I think I, it's such a great moment in women's wrestling, and uh, I'm so excited, uh, whether I'm a part of it or not, to see women get that opportunity. I think um, we've worked really hard the last few years, and, and even beyond that, uh, just to get women to where we are today and give us this platform. So um, I think it's really, really awesome that WWE is just embracing it full on and they're going to give 32 women the best opportunity that they can be given. What do you think of Mae Young uh, being given the distinction of having the tournament named after her? A lot of times she, I don't want to say lived in the shadows of Moolah, but Moolah is a lot of times uh, the first person you think of. And then even more recently, you know, they... They romanticize Trish Stratus and Lita and what they did for women in, in the WWE, but uh, Mae Young getting a lot of love. Yeah, I think I think it's great because they're covering a lot more history than that's been covered prior, um, and I think they're shining a really great light on a really great person. So uh, I'm really really happy. Now, Deanna, you're you're incredibly young, and we always have people asking like they'll they'll sending stuff to our contact form, like, how do we get involved in wrestling? How did you get involved in wrestling and at such a young age? 
Uh, I grew up watching wrestling, and um, I watched it with my brother since I was nine. So as soon as I saw women, uh, I knew that one day I would want to partake in wrestling. And I, I thought, you know, if they could do that, I could do that. I could be good at that one day, I think. And um, as soon as I turned 18, I got, I got a part-time job. I graduated high school, and I went to a wrestling school. That was the first thing I wanted to do before anything. So um, I kind of started as early as you can here. And, um, yeah. Imagine being on Ring of Honor, Impact, and WWE TV in, within two weeks of each other by, like, your 21st, 22nd birthday. Like, mm-hmm. Man, that's got to set you up for for your career moving forward. That's that's pretty impressive. I always like talking to Diana, and she wrote about her experience over at Fightful.com uh, one time as well. Which which leads me to say, guys, if you all haven't checked out Jason Kincaid's awesome articles that he does, I'm talking like everything from ROH tryouts to signing his Evolve deal to getting injured to going like wrestling in Mexico for donuts. Like, it's such an awesome, unique look at an up-and-coming, sometimes struggling pro wrestler that, that you're not getting from a lot of different places. But yeah, we talked to a lot of people this week, Jimmy. Like Omega, Cody Rhodes, Josh Barnett, Josh Matthews, EC3, Deanna, Vince. You know, I look at that guitar behind you in your picture, and I just yeah. keep thinking I keep thinking that Ed Nordholm should be standing in front of the guitar. Yeah? Uh, because uh, Jarrett's about to clock him over the head with it, I think, if he hasn't already. But going back to... Uh, to well, I'm going to cut you off because I am the Segway King. If you all want to clock somebody over the head with that guitar, get us to 20,000 subs on, on Fightful's YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up at 20,000. We're a ways away. I won't lie. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. And I'm going to give away – I'd never know what side to point. I'm going to give away that. I've still mm-hmm. got those Mysterio masks to give away. I've got a lot of stuff to give away. And we're going to do that at Fightful.com. We also do that over – on our Fightful.com forums as well. So there you check go. those out. Going back to Deanna for a second. So as you know, over the last couple of years, this whole women's revolution thing has had some legs. Uh, when you think about the women in WWE over the last two or three years that have really done well for themselves, including, say, AJ Lee, Sasha Banks, Bailey, Charlotte, what they have in common, maybe with the exception of Charlotte, is they were wrestling fans from the time that they were kids. They weren't catalog models, which is what John Laurinaitis used to recruit. Uh, and that's when you had the rotating door of all these idiots coming in because they wanted to be on television. The new era now, they're recruiting girls that were fans and that understood that you got to pay your dues and they understood how much work it was. And when I look at Deanna, that's exactly the mold that she fits too. And so uh, I think she's going to make it because oh, yeah. she understands. She understands you got to pay your dues. She understands the hustle that's involved. And uh, yeah, I think she's gonna. I think she's she's gonna make it. She's, I mean, she's really young. She's doing well. Oh yeah, I think she just turned twenty three, uh, like maybe earlier this month. So right, uh, right. I've always uh, liked Diana, and I interviewed her at my former place of employment, and knew that she would be a valuable person to have on your side in situations like this. I hit her up the other day. She said, "Sean, we're out of JJ content. I believe in you." And I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Jimmy, I've got three press conferences and three interviews this week, but I'll make it happen. Now, what I didn't say was I love you and you I didn't. believe in you. You didn't. But next time, that's what I'm going to say because that again goes back to what I said before. You push back when you don't really want to do something. I you to just do that. proved it. 
no, 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 no. When I said to you, I need you to get more footage for this week, you said, oh, we'll just like use something that we already used. Or, and I was like, no, 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 no. You oh, can no, do no, no. no you I can said, do I said, well, you know, I'm talking to like six different people this week. I've got some audio. And you're like, in your Canadian accent, no, no, no. We got we to gotta have, we gotta have video because our, our audience are little babies and they got to see people moving. They got to oh, really? see movement. Is that what I said? Yeah. Is that what I said? You you act like our, our audience is too too ignorant to accept audio. Okay, now first off, everything he just said is bullshit. That is, I have never, is not bullshit. Who are you going to That trust? is bullshit. The, the real face of Fightful or just right. the guy that bankrolls that I keep going the wrong way? Right, right. I have never shit on our audience, and he knows it, and that is bullshit. So don't listen to anything he says. That, that is not true. Oh, really? You were poop doping, and I know it. Oh, was I? And it was, was with a member of our audience. So, yes, you did. Okay. You were shit doping uh, uh, with a member of our audience to get their, their microorganism. Right. That way, you could. Is that, is, is that what my colonoscopy really was? Is that what it really was? It's all coming together. It all comes now. together. In yeah. reality, I was taking somebody else's clean shit and I was shoving it up my ass. Because I wanted to get rid of the colitis or whatever the hell they say. As that. I said last night, dots connected. We figured it out. Damn. There you go. Uh, let's move on from this silliness. And I'm going to talk to you off the air about making up lies about me shitting on people. <laughs> I was going to talk off the air about it. Let's talk about Zach Freeman for a minute. Yeah. Now, this is related to MMA, but it can tie into wrestling. And this is why I want to talk about it. So, Zach Freeman was a journeyman fighter. I think his record was 8-2, right, Sean? Yeah, I wouldn't consider that journeyman. But he fought. Who did he fight? Nobody. He He didn't fight anybody. Right. So that makes him kind of like a journeyman fighter. Yeah. And he he was on the Bellator pay-per-view this weekend, last weekend, and he was on the show because he was supposed to be fed to the wolves. Yeah. They had a newcomer by the name of Aaron Pico. 20-year-old kid. Very high And and, and Boxer, too, right? They said he was a good boxer how stupid the promoters were. I've never been a big fan of Scott Coker. I feel like Coker is, is a, a cheap man's Dana White with a lot of things he does. But anyway, uh, I thought it was foolish booking because you take this 20-year-old kid. He's never... It's what it says. Uh, up up on the, the main screen and said that, that we went off air. And then... Uh, okay, I think we're good now. Are yeah, we that's good? weird. Wirecast messed up on us. I don't know, man. I guess we'll keep talking until Nigel comes running in here and tells me there's a problem. Yeah, I, it oh. popped up on my Wirecast, popped up on the main screen, and I'm like, what's going on? Okay. Go ahead, I'll Zach Freeman. Nigel. Yeah, anyway, so so uh, this kid, this 20-year-old kid, they made his debut on pay-per-view, and they made his debut at Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. which is the mecca. So you knew he was under a shitload of pressure. The Zach Freeman guy went in there, the major underdog – 10 to 1 underdog, and he submitted the kid in 24 seconds. Real quick. Right Real quick, quick. Choked him out. Yeah. yeah. Now, here's the reason why I want to bring this up because there's a lesson to be learned. And we've talked about it before with like a James Ellsworth. Take advantage of your opportunities. So, this Zach Freeman guy, and look him up on YouTube if you haven't seen it. He channeled his inner CM Punk. Yes, he did. Because he was dropping a lot of pipe bombs afterwards. He was talking about how the promotion disrespected him. Nobody wanted to interview him because they thought he was going to get his ass kicked to this this prodigy. Um, when he did the post fight press conference, 
there was another fighter on the on the panel, the guy by the name of Chael Sonnen, who was a very well-known fighter. And Chael Sonnen asked Zach Freeman a question. And Zach Freeman looked at Chael Sonnen and he said, Chael, I'm surprised you're talking to me. You ignored me all week. In fact, the only guy he, he would said, talk to is actually friend of Fightful.com, James Lynch, who Joe had on a couple of our shows. And if you all know James Lynch, if you're MMA followers, he's ahead of the game. He'll interview anybody and everybody, and he does. And he talked to Zach Freeman the day before. He showed him that respect because James was smart enough to see that this could happen. Because it, it's so comical to me. And I, sorry we're talking like going off on an MMA tangent. But to sit there and say the following things. Shock the world. Major upset yeah. when an 8-2 and two guy beats a day, somebody in their Pro debut, debut. Yeah. in Madison Square Garden. You never know how somebody's going to react. He took yeah. that opportunity he grabbed it, and then he did the right thing. He wasn't like, gee golly, guys, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. he was like, screw you guys. I belong here. He didn't, and yeah. you all didn't treat me like I did. I, I loved and, it. And he told it like it was. He, he basically said, this is what I do for my day job. I sell office furniture, and I'm going to go back to work on Tuesday. And he said, I know Bellator's pissed at me now because I beat their prodigy, and I know that they're going to try to book me in a fight against like a really tough fighter because they want to kick my ass. And he's like, that's cool. They can, they can bring it if they want. This guy, he stole that press conference, and he has capitalized on every minute of television time that he has received. And I watched him, and I thought to myself, guys in WWE could learn from this. And you look at a guy like James Ellsworth, again, who was supposed to be a throwaway in one segment with Braun Strowman, and he capitalized on that five minutes of airtime and tried to make it the most entertaining he could, and he ended up getting a contract. Guys could learn from this, and when I see Roman Reigns, and I, we shit on Roman Reigns a lot, but he kind of deserves it to a degree. Mm -hmm. When you see Roman Reigns saying, I'm the big dog, and all this absolute bullshit because he doesn't know to veer off script or he doesn't know to push back on creative um, – Zach Freeman, people could learn from him, I think. You know what? I think WWE could learn from Access TV in New Japan this week. And I'll tie this in. Access is running the New Japan show on Saturday night. We're covering it. On Sunday night, uh, New Japan World will broadcast. I'm doing a post-show podcast after that and, and Impact. <clears throat> Access was very smart. They wanted to promote these. So they gave the wrestling media, not like... All, all the mainstream media that WWE sends their people to, like NBC, Indianapolis, that are going to answer, like ask, oh, gee golly, does it hurt when you fall in the ring? <laughs> <laughs> Not that. They were like, hey, wrestling media, who knows what questions make headlines right. that will get eyes on this, talk to Kenny Omega, talk to Jim Ross, talk to Josh Barnett, talk to uh, Cody Rhodes. Right. And I spent four hours talking to these people, as did... Uh, some some of the other journalists, and man, it shows you their personality. It shows you what they care about, what they don't care about. It really opens them up. Mm -hmm. I think WWE would, would do very well to, to do that. Like, if you want a Titus O'Neil to, to make some headlines and stuff, throw him out there for a 40-minute audio press conference. Triple H does it all the time, and nothing mm -hmm. that bad has happened so far. Who cares if he says something a little controversial? That's the worst thing that could happen is they say something bad about the, the writing team. Then what? The writing you know team what? might I, be motivated a little bit. I think most of the talent would welcome it in WWE. Yeah, they would. I can tell you this. So I, I, I've talked to Justin Roberts several times about his press tour that he did, about his book. And he told me, and, and he's respectful because he appreciates the promotion, but he told me every interview was the same. 
And every interview asked me the exact same questions. And after a while, you're almost going through the motions. And when WWE sends guys for the kind of interviews like you're talking about, it's the same spitball bullshit all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Josh Matthews said to you in your interview, he said, I appreciate that you've done your homework yeah. because you, you asked certain questions. I think the guys would welcome that. Have you ever seen the Mila Kunis interview with the kid from the BBC? I haven't. So look it up on YouTube. So Mila Kunis, of course, is a, is a pretty well-known actress, right? And she was in that 70s show. And she was promoting, I think it was like the Wizard of Oz sequel. And she was doing the press tour and everybody asks the same shit. How was it working with this guy? And how was it working with this guy? And how, whatever. She does this interview with this guy from the BBC. And he's a young kid and he's got the hot. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details for her mm-hmm. and he starts telling her about uh i should bring you to the pub sometime uh, my, my boys go there after soccer games and we really like this kind of beer and she loved it she yeah. loved it and her pr person was standing off camera telling her make sure you hit this and make sure you hit this and so mila kunis because she's she's not your average actress like she's cool right mm-hmm. mila kunis goes okay Let's get this out of the way so that they'll leave me alone. Uh, I enjoyed working with this guy. I enjoyed working with this guy. My character was supposed to do this. The story is about this. And she got it all out of the way. And then she turns to the game. She goes, so tell me again about the pub and, uh, and you know, the soccer team. And they like stuff different. And, and yeah, obviously. I, mean, I talked to EC3 about Cleveland sports through the majority of our interview because I know right. that's what he likes. That's, that's what me and him talk about when we're not talking about wrestling. I troll right. him about him being a Cleveland sports fan. I do those Wikipedia true or false things to kind of help break the ice with a lot of these people because right. they've been asked so much of the same stuff over and over and over again. I'll tell you one thing I hate. Actually, I'm, I'm going to do a Fightful Books at this week, guys, but I'm going to do it a little bit different about uh, production changes that I would make. But one of the things I hate as a journalist is when people in an interview, they go, talk about this. Right. Jesus, man, that's bad broadcasting. That's real bad broadcasting. It's lazy broadcasting, too. Right. You got to bring out their personality. And saying, talk about this isn't a way to do it. Saying, what was it like to work with this isn't, it's just not the way to do it. I don't get it. Like, I was asking Josh about stuff that I knew that he probably hadn't been asked before. Yeah. And that's important. That's like when you say stuff like, does Vince have any new stories for our filming, I'm like, I'll drag him out of him. That's just, right. that's what, that's, that's my job to do and his job to tell him. And we ended up getting like, what, two months worth of content out of one filming of Vince Russo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's something you got to do. And a Titus O'Neil, you put him on there on a presser. 
Mm-hmm. And somebody asks, well, what did you think about that suspension? He's not been able to talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. What's your relationship with Vince McMahon like now? Well, that's going to make a headline. What, yeah, what, about, again, I, what I, about TJP? You throw TJP on there, a guy who is just wallowing in mediocrity right now. Yeah. You, get, you get TJP on a press conference and somebody asks, how do you feel about Josh Matthews and his comments towards you? What do you, what do you think about that? What do you think about Mauro Ronaldo and how he's treated being a guy that has been an advocate for mental health in the past? He's not been asked that anywhere. I just think in general, they appreciate that you do your homework. Because, again, you look at like a Nancy Grace. When Nancy Grace had Owen Hart's name on the list of wrestlers that had died from a drug overdose, the, a lot of these mainstream reporters, they don't do any research. They don't do any, any of their own homework. They're handed, a, yeah, they're handed a sheet by, by some idiot writer. And, and they just don't give the talent that respect. And so I think that they appreciate it when guys do their, their homework. And when you look at a guy like Chris Van Vliet, who we've talked about. Great. And everybody will talk to him. The Rock loves him, and Batista will talk to him. I saw one interview with The Rock, I think, or with Batista. I think he was promoting the Bond movie. Mm-hmm. And Chris Van Vliet kept asking him wrestling questions. And at one point, the person off camera said, let's wrap it up, because they don't like that, right? Yeah. And Batista turned to the person and said, let me have a few more minutes. Mm-hmm. Because he appreciated that the guy did his homework. Right? Yeah, he's, he's, so, he's great as well. He's he very good. Uh, big fan of his, but... And I mean, you know, that ultimately, people at NBC Indianapolis, and I don't know anybody from there, I'm just saying, that's not their primary job. This is a guest that they're fed, but sure, sure. man, as, as somebody who does make a living off of it, and somebody that, you know, WWE doesn't offer their guys to the pro wrestling sheets, to the wrestle zones or wrestling yeah, leagues no. or anybody, no. because they know that they'll get covered wherever they send them. And it's I, I just yeah, think but they, that they could build a lot of buzz for individuals and their brand by doing that. But they also don't want to deal with any kind of controversy because, for example, when Paige is ready to come back, then they're going to put them in front of the wrestling media and have somebody say, "Hey, uh, so let's talk about the uh, the porn videos Why and not? let's talk about Why yeah, not? but like you say, NBC NBC Indianapolis or whatever you said, they're not going to ask her about that, and and that's what WWE wants, right? Well, somebody will, and the girl is. The girl is 24, 25 years old. She, she's never going to do an interview again in her life. That ain't happening. Under contract, she won't. Not, maybe, not, like a, maybe. not a serious one. Let's, uh, let's, let's address that. I was going to talk about it later on. So how sad were you when you heard the rumor? And it's only a rumor that Paige and Alberto broke up. How, were, you, were you, like, did it get you right here when you heard that? No, because I, I mean... People break up and get back together and break up and get back together. Their business, True. whatever. And it's, just, it's, it's a rumor, and uh, uh, I checked out their social media, and there's no mention. They, there's still pictures of them together, so I tend to think it's bullshit anyway. Yeah. But that's a rumor that came out. So let's move on. I want to I wanna read something that Chris Jericho put on social media mm-hmm. uh, and get your thoughts on it. He said, uh, so my niece was cleaning up some stuff in my house. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And found this WCW check from the year 2000 for 15 cents. Might I remind you that a stamp cost 33 cents at the time. So it cost double what the check was worth to mail it. No wonder World Championship Wrestling went out of business. Can you, can you believe that? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I wonder to what degree those were like automatic and just produced. And just some kid in the mail room just slapping them on there. Slapping the stamp on there. And yeah, but, it should, that, there, but yeah. there should still be common sense. Use right in these situations. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, uh, 
We reported on that on Fightful.com, of course. Good job. I want to talk about something Daniel Bryan said in an interview because I don't necessarily agree with it. I kind of agree and disagree, I guess. Uh, he was interviewed by FoxSports.com. It came out on June 19th. He talked about John Cena being a free agent, and he's going to go between both brands, right? Uh, and here's something that Dan O'Brien said. He said, the WWE as a corporate entity puts Raw first. They're the flagship show, and SmackDown Live is always kind of playing second fiddle when you're talking about the executives and how they look at the two shows. So they're always going to do what they think is best for Raw. Now, I agree with him in that Raw is the flagship, and it has been forever, and everybody knows it, and it gets most of the attention. But I don't think that they're putting Cena as the free agent on Raw because they're shitting on SmackDown. He's still going to be on SmackDown, right? They're mm-hmm. putting him as a free agent because he's the ratings draw and both shows need the ratings. So Daniel Bryan kind of made it look like, well, they're taking him off SmackDown because Raw is the flagship. But that's not – I don't think that's the case. I think they, they're going to keep him on both and try to help the ratings on both. Well, yeah, but I mean in a way that shits on SmackDown in my opinion because it – it helps. It goes to eliminate brand separation. They did that with the Undertaker too. They had him come back, say, "I'm back," yada yada, and then they put him in a feud on Raw. You could have done that. You could have ran that feud on SmackDown with somebody. I mean, it's Roman Reigns, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that they probably make the majority of their money from the Raw show, and the ratings have been in the shitter. But why? And- why does that have to be? Why does that have to be? I mean, I know that it's three hours, so it's more programming, but yeah. A focus can be put on SmackDown. It used to be uh, for for quite. Hulk Hogan was on the SmackDown brand. Yeah, but that's when it was on network television. That's true. That but, was a different beast back then. Now, now it's just another cable show. Yeah, but I mean, TV has changed a lot since then too. It has, but Raw is Raw still does the highest ratings. It's their flagship Monday show since '93 or whatever it is. But again, I think it'd be one thing if they just yanked Cena from SmackDown completely and said he's a Raw guy now. But he's going to go back and forth because both she's both shows essentially need him. So I don't I don't look at it like WWE was like ah fuck SmackDown. I think they looked at it like we need the ratings on Raw. We need the ratings yeah. on Raw. You know. Hey so. Jimmy, you can sponsor the uh, Mayweather McGregor fight for ten million. That would be good for Fightful. Is it actually going to happen? Because they don't have a venue yet. Yeah, it's it's going to happen. It's happening. So is the big three moving? They will. They'll come to a deal, or 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 they'll do it in the Grand Garden. I mean, it, so let me ask you this. Can you ever recall a major event that's going to take place and two months before tickets aren't on sale? No. Well, yeah. Mayweather Pacquiao, I think. Really? The tickets I, weren't I on sale like, two I months before? I feel like before? their tickets went on sale like really late. I can't remember. Really? I, I don't want to. Don't quote me on that. Hmm. I don't know. To me, the whole thing's kind of strange. Uh, let's talk about Enzo and Cass. Okay. So I want to give kudos to the live crowd in L.A. uh, at Raw because that was a smart crowd that did not buy Cass's apology for a second. They they booed him from the second that they were going through it. And I also want to give props to WWE Creative for a change uh, because they waited until the last minute to have Cass jump Enzo. They waited through the promo. They waited as they left the ring. They waited as they went up the ramp. I almost wondered if they're going to wait and do a tag team match and then have them yeah. uh, have them like walk away or something. But uh, I thought it was good that they at least recognized this is a smart crowd and we can't have them just do uh, SAWFT and then jump them in the ring because people see it coming. 
they waited long enough that it almost made you kind of second guess if they were going to hold off on it. I thought. I like I've repeated this on the podcasts several times over the past week. I've really liked what they have done outside the ring with so many different things. Joe mm-hmm. Lesnar, Enzo Cass. I was entertained by LeVar Ball. Uh, another segment which WWE had that went over 1.2 million YouTube views, which is very good. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in Goldust. I like Strowman and Reigns. I like the women angle. I like the fashion files. There is so much outside the ring mm-hmm. from WWE that they are doing right now that I, I just I enjoy. Right? They're, they're, I don't know what got into them, but I'm thrilled to see it. You and know, the only thing I didn't like about... Only thing I didn't like about Joe and Lesnar, and I have loved the build of Joe and Lesnar, and I think that if the plan was to do a one-off, I think they should change that plan and turn this into a two or three match series because it's been really entertaining. The only thing I didn't like about Raw on Monday uh, with the way Joe attacked Lesnar is Brock is so much bigger than Joe mm-hmm. that Brock Brock had to pa- practically bend backwards in order for Joe to keep the choke on. And that, for me, it was hard to suspend my sleep when Brock would get out of the choke, throw him against the screen, and then there's Brock bending backwards again so he could put the choke back on. I would have rather he dropped him first with, like, a chair or something and then put it on him while he was down, but that's nitpicking. Yeah, and Joe's, like, 6'2". He's a big dude, too. Like yeah, Brock's just a – he's a – Brock's a yeah. monster. He, he's the beast, Sean. That's true. That is Perfect true. Perfect segue. Perfect segue. Oh. It was good. It's good. That's like when Michael Cole gets on TV and he's like, "This is cool, guys. Do it." It's we're gonna so talk about neat. Michael Cole. Oh, we're gonna talk about Michael Cole. Well, okay, we we will talk about Michael Cole. Vince uh, Russo, obviously on uh, <laughs> uh, on this week's list, and your boy gives his thoughts on Paul Heyman. I thought we were gonna do the no, one. Six do you remember the first time you saw ECW programming? Yes. Do you happen to remember what it was, when it was, what was on it? All I remember, bro, is it was on the country music channel at the time. CMT, I guess it was. TNN. Yeah, TNN. Yeah, I remember, Brian. I know it was a Friday night, I think. I think. And I just happened to I just happened to come across it on a Friday night on TNN. And that was the first time I saw it. That motivate you in any way? Did you see that and think oh, this is gritty, this is different? Or what was your opinion on it? Bro, that it didn't motivate me at all. And and so many people like to say that it did. And bro, bro I was motivated by the NWO. I mean, when, when, when I saw what Eric was doing with the NWO, I was like, bro, we, we need to be doing that. When I saw WCW, uh, ECW, bro, what blew me away was like I would watch in awe that these guys are freaking killing themselves. Like literally, I, I honestly felt, bro, I was going to be watching that show one week and I was going to witness somebody freaking break their neck or break their back. And that that that's that's what captivated me about ECW was like these guys are freaking like absolutely killing themselves and and, and how how is Paul Heyman convincing these guys that they need to go out there and almost kill themselves? But I never thought that's what the WWE should be. But I definitely was um, inspired by the NWO, no doubt. 
What did you think of ECW going out of business within months of WCW? Bro, you know what? You know, with anything, bro, it's a, it, all, it all comes down to money and it all comes down to dollars and cents, bro. I mean, that that's what it's all about. I mean, I, I look at TNA now, bro. Pe- people, you know, a lot of people like to say, oh, Vince, you were a you're one-trick pony and Vince was filtering you. I, I hate to correct people, bro. We had over 2 million people watching TNA at one time. Okay, bro, they're at 300,000 now. So somehow they went from 2 million to 300,000. Why, bro? Dollars and cents. You've got to spend money to make money. And when the money is no longer there, you're going to be done, bro. You, you know, you know, you can you can try to make chicken salad out of chicken shit for so long. You still need your freaking superstars. Bro, TNA losing the heart. What was a massive blow? They they didn't want to pay these guys and they've paid for it. So, you know, it's it's all about money, bro. It's, you know, WWE is the kingpin and the only game in town because they got more money than everybody else. It's that simple. What was your relationship like with with Paul Heyman during whether it be your WWF run or WCW run? Because I know that you all took Mike Awesome right right from under their nose, and I'm sure he couldn't have been happy about that. Bro, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, Sean Ross. Okay. We were supposed to have a working relationship with ECW. That's what Vince McMahon said to me. And Vince McMahon said, what, what, Vince, whatever talent you want from there, okay, we can get, and in turn, we can send some of our talent over there. Okay, bro? So, bro, I'll never forget the first people, the first, the, 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 I think the first guys I told, well, I mean, I, you know, I told Vince we should get Al Snow. I told Vince we should get the Dudleys. I told Vince we should get Taz. But, bro, every time I told, because Vince didn't watch WCW. He had no idea. Every time I told Vince we wanted a talent, he would go to Paulie and Paulie would tell Vince, oh, they don't want to come there. And I'd sit there and I'm like, are you out of your freaking mind, Paul? Don't give me they don't want to come here. Anybody wants to come here to make the freaking money. Are you out of your freaking mind? But every time, bro, he would tell Vince they're not interested in coming there. And then you know what happened, bro? Then those talents started contacting me directly. And saying, we want to come there. I, bro, I was the guy that that initially set up the meeting with Bubba and Devon and Vince McMahon. I'll never forget that, bro. They were as nervous as hell meeting with Vince. Taz called me freaking directly. They started calling me directly because Paul kept cutting them all off. So that, that was the relationship I had with them back then. Since then, bro... I was consulting for a short period in 2002. I had one conversation with Paul Heyman. And then, bro, I was the guy trying to recruit Paul to come work for TNA. So at that time, I had maybe two or three phone conversations with him. That's the extent of it, bro. That's it. So, Jimmy, you say, speaking of the beast, and expect me to go into the nicknames, when we had a segment queued up with... The Beast's Advocate, or talking about the Beast's Advocate in Paul Heyman. You have I see. To be, you, you can't just You swerved me. You swerved me. I did That's swerve. what you did. Okay, because we always do nicknames right in the middle. 
You know, you swerved me with the Russo clip. Well, we trying to show, WWE trying to, to show you up, the power. We want WWE to break up their monotony. Why don't we do it as well? Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, I'm gonna, I want to say one thing about what Russo said about Heyman and about ECW. Tell me if you disagree or agree. Uh, I agree that the money thing is obviously important, and WWE is the top of the food chain because they have the money. But back in the days of ECW, I think they could have survived if they had have remained a smaller promotion like a Ring of Honor, and if they hadn't have tried to compete with the WWEs and WCWs of the world. I think if they had, have, number one, had somebody else making the business moves, because Heyman admittedly at that time was not a business guy. He would tell you that. He was a creative genius, but not a business guy. Uh, and if they had a, you know, remained a Northeastern promotion and not tried to run shows all over the U.S. and not worried about a national television deal, not worried about getting on pay-per-view, I think they could have survived because, yes, the other promotions were picking up all their talent, but Heyman was really great at creating new talent, too. Right? Yeah, I wonder how they would have adapted to today. I mean, they had great wrestling, too, right? I mean, they, they had the hardcore stuff, but they also had the luchadors and... And I think they could have evolved with the times. I, I think they tried to they tried to compete with WWE and WCW. They tried to compete for talent contracts. They, you know, Paul Heyman wanted the action figures and he wanted the pay per view and he wanted the video games and that stuff. I think helped put them underwater. Also, uh, I don't believe that TNM was the first time Vince Russo ever saw ECW. I don't believe that for a second. Right, right. Because maybe he been, just doesn't. That would have been late nineteen ninety nine. Do you think maybe he doesn't remember? I'm like sure he, he doesn't remember. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. I, he had to have seen. I mean, for one, he worked. The ECW was on WWE programming multiple times. Right. And wasn't that like '96 or something? '97. The first time. Kind of. There were there were some mentions and some some little things, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, let's move on and talk about Bailey. Okay. Now we've talked about Bailey before, uh, but she was on the Stone Cold podcast this week. She said something I thought was interesting, and I did a little research, Sean, and I've got I've got a little bit of a of a history of Bailey on Raw that I wrote down. So how long is this gonna take, dude? I'll do it in five minutes. Relax. Oh my I'll it, I'll god! Do it in five minutes. All right, a five Relax. minute rant on a ninety minute show, Jimmy. Why, Sean? Hey, Sean. Sean, I love you, and I believe oh. in you. All right, so shut up and drink your Monster Energy drink. So for everybody who who watches this show that are wrestling fans, prepare to relive Bailey. No, man. No, 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 no. So do you not think that Bailey was a talent they wasted? You don't oh, agree? Yeah, I do. Of course I do. Do you not want to hear what Bailey herself says about it? Sure. That's why it's important, all right? Yeah, so like stop. you know the article we wrote about this on Fightful. Life. Stop healing on me, man. I'm not the guy to heal on. <laughs> all right? Look Believe at me. You. You're Believe hurt me. right now. For somebody who says that I get sensitive all the time. Oh, sensitive. That was the first hurt I've seen in your eyes. Oh, that no, 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 no. You. I don't get sensitive, but what I do is I get even. Oh shit. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm going to get detained at the fucking border. That might yeah, your wife will be allowed through. They're going to send you back. So uh, on the Stone Cold podcast, this is something that Bailey said when she was talking about her spot currently in WWE. She said, I feel right now I'm kind of in a weird spot with my career. When I first came, I felt like, all right, I'm still from NXT. I felt like I knew exactly what I was doing. But now I'm just, you know how we were talking a couple months ago and you were helping me out with matches and stuff and how I need to go about certain things. I'm still figuring it out. I'm at a weird spot right now. So she actually is suggesting 
that her struggles currently are because she doesn't know how to read a crowd and because uh, the fault lies with her. That's what she's suggesting, right? And that what she said? Pretty much, yeah. So without reading for 15 minutes about her history as you so fear, I'm going to just say this very quickly. Between So she debuted in August of last year, right? Yeah. First, first few weeks on Raw, she won matches until they built her up. Uh, the problem with Bailey, in my opinion, is that WWE, from her first day on the main roster, looked at her as being third string behind Charlotte and Sasha. And then when Nia Jax, Sasha, and then when Nia Jax debuted, she became fourth string because you know how Vince is with you know the larger talent. They put her on the back burner, like she would always they be did. there in case they needed that push, in case they, they always, did. in case they needed that that something and. By the time they tried to make it happen, it was too late, if, if for right now at least. Well, within one month, so she debuted in August. Within one month, she was losing every week on Raw. September 12, September 19, Clash of Champions, September 25. She got pinned on all those shows. Then when she finally won the title in February, they treated it like she cheated and Sasha helped her. Uh, and you know, she was doing those cheesy promos, Sean, where she was saying, oh, you know, I, it's controversial and you know, I, I didn't win the, win the right way, but di- screw it. I'm the champion yeah. kind of thing. Uh, and that's what they did to her every week. And, and then when Nia Jax came along, she was losing to Nia Jax weekly on television because that's clearly who Vince, you know, saw as being the star. And that happened week after week after week. Uh, and what I was thinking when I was going back and reading about, you know, when I was tracking Bailey's history, it made me think about what Jinder Mahal said about how Vince told him the crowd forgets, right? Don't worry about the fact you lost for eight months. The crowd forgets. Bailey won at WrestleMania to retain the title last year, this past, this this year, after she had lost every week. She won at, at Mania. Do you think Vince was thinking, well, it's okay because, yes, uh, Sasha's beaten her and Charlotte's beaten her and Nia Jax has beaten her, but she won at Mania, so the crowd's going to forget that she lost all those matches. Do you think that was his mentality? Jinder Mahal is WWE champion right now, so yeah, I do think that. That's Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the crowd doesn't forget. This is the problem. They don't forget. And that's why Bailey's kind of been, you know, dead in the water because they treated her like a scrub. And who cares if she wanted Mania? She was treated like a scrub before and after that. They also expected that that NXT gimmick would work in the same exact manner that it would in the main row. It, it doesn't. You can't run that one back. You can't run the, right. well, she doesn't belong. She doesn't belong. She was just NXT champion. She just, right. she put on some great historic matches with, with uh, Sasha Banks. People know that she can go. People know right. that she's that good. Yeah. It's, it, it comes down to what uh, Marcus Louise, the former NXT star, said about, Getting to know your talent on a personal level. Get to know the character on a personal level and then write for them. they got to write for personalities, not for characters. Mm. Now, sometimes that personality has to portray a character, but sometimes the character is the personality, and that takes... Like, they wanted Steve Austin to be the ringmaster, and that wasn't him. He Uh was Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's Uh who he was, and they saw that, and they said, hot damn, that's the right move to make. So mm-hmm. I feel like Bailey still is treading water creatively because you remember, wasn't it two weeks ago she hugged Corey Graves after an interview? Yeah. 
And everybody was like, oh, this is going to be the start of something, right? They're going to they're gonna make her like a crazy heel. And now it's been two or three weeks and nothing. She's But she's still regular Bailey. There's been no follow-up at all yeah. on that. So. Something I want to ask you before you move on to your list. Yep. A ton of former WWE divas were backstage at uh, at this week's SmackDown. Yep. And they were at Raw, or, or, weren't they? Raw, Raw, rather. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was Candice Michelle, Tori Wilson, Christy Hemme, Charmel, and then... Lillian I, Garcia. Lillian Garcia, and then Victoria tried to show up at, in San Diego and wasn't allowed. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is she went to security or something and they didn't know who she was. Otherwise, who knows? Who knows? I mean, obviously Vince knows... Victoria. Hunter knows Victoria. Stephanie knows Victoria. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think in terms of the talent roster. Who's on the SmackDown talent roster now that would know her? I mean, Mickey James is on Raw now. Who's on SmackDown that would know her? I don't know. She was in the crowd, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Road Italian. Dog's there. Road Dog Ita- is Road Dog works yeah. on SmackDown. Yeah, and Natalia would know her. You yeah, think? A ton of people. I mean, good God, anybody on the show should know her, should know yeah. who she is. But, I mean, the thing is, she worked in Impact for a long time. AJ Styles is there. Right. Yeah. So, I don't I mean, know. I mean, she didn't go into enough detail into what happened. So, for all we know, she went to security. They said, you can't pass. And she said, okay, and left. I mean, we don't know. Right? Yeah, I, thought that, I just thought that was a little weird. Kurt Angle, oh, no, that's, he's on Raw, rather. Yeah. But I'm sitting there looking, and I'm like, man, there, there are quite a few people. I'm sure the Usos know her. Yeah. Uh, there, yeah, there they are, probably do, yeah. Xavier yeah. Woods worked with her in Impact Wrestling. Uh, there right. are a lot of people there that know who she is. So Yeah, yeah. To me, too. Could have been unusual. anything. Yeah. 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 Okay, so now that you swerved me on the nicknames, do we want to like circle back now to the yeah, nicknames we'll do legitimately? It. Here we All go. All right. This is a stupid song, it just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Sup with the nicknames. So first off, once again, thanks to Trevor Strong for the usage of the stupid song. Go to trevorstrong.org to check him out. And uh, what do you call this man, Sean? Gisberto Guzzo? He's a legend. He's the guy that does the, the count for us. Now, have you read Justin Roberts' book yet? No, I hope too soon. So in his book, Justin talks about how towards the end of his run, Michael Cole was the one managing that team and about how he would have to have, he would get reminders, don't say this word, don't say this word. You know, Justin used to have that muscle massage your hands to go uh, and he would give it to all the talent and Michael Cole pulled him aside and said, you're not allowed to bring that here anymore. Like there was weird shit that would happen like that, right? I am almost convinced that two weeks ago, Michael Cole pulled uh, Corey Graves aside and said, you're not using nicknames enough. I'm almost convinced of it, Sean, because uh, let, let's go into this quickly for Raw, and then you'll know. So last week, uh, this, this week, 60 usages of nicknames on Raw. They had gotten down as low as like 50 over a three-hour show. Their high was like 75. Now they're kind of hovering back into the 60s, uh, so they're kind of going in the wrong direction. What do you think were the main ones used? The big dog. Well, maybe not the big dog because he wasn't on he wasn't on screen that much. 
Um, let's see. The boss. Gotta be the boss. She she was wrestling for a while. Oh, man. So the boss was ten times. Mm-hmm. It was number one. We the should Beast play Day- like Family Feud with WWE nicknames. We could do that. Yeah, maybe on a future show. Yeah. So the boss, the beast, monster among men, king of the cruiserweights, big dog, top five. King of the cruiserweights is a big one that they use a lot. Now, who said it, Sean? Michael Cole, 27 times. Corey Graves, 28 times. Now, this is a gentleman that two weeks ago was down to 12 times. And I said on this show, if you get it under 10, I'm going to send you something nice. Ever since that day when I said get it under 10 and I'll get you something nice, he's off the rails since that day. Last week, I think it was like 27 times, and this week he's up to 28 times. Do you think Michael Cole or Kevin Dunn pulled the guy aside and said, we're we're hearing less nicknames out of you lately. Got to step it up. What do you think? It's possible. It's possible. And uh, not to completely go off topic, but I'm very excited to see what Mauro Ranallo sounds like tonight without all that on right. NXT. I'm going to watch that. But, yeah, that, that's what motivated me this week for the Fightful Books It. It's going to be right. a bit of a Fightful Books It. I was going to do, like, a big Enzo Cass one, but what right. happened the last two weeks kind of just shit all over that and all my notes. So instead, I'm going to do, like, production tips. I'm sure I'm going to have somebody saying... What the hell do you know? You ain't worked there before. But, Braun Strowman's uh, going to tell you that? No. He, he would say, <laughs> I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> but I'll just say this. If that feud goes for a year straight after today, I, I'll be happy just so I can keep hearing him say, I'm not finished with you. <laughs> over well, you know what? Again. We know that someday in WWE, there's going to be a power struggle someday. Yeah. Uh, because the time is going to come when Miss McMahon, sorry to say, he's not immortal. The day is going to come when he either passes or maybe he gets to the point where he just doesn't want to you know, be around it every day anymore. The power struggle is going to come because it's, it's pretty common knowledge at this point. Kevin Dunn is not a Triple H guy. Mm-hmm. Michael Cole, I don't think, is a Triple H guy. And I think the time is going to come when Hunter gets that say – and we've, we've heard that Hunter hates the way that things are done. He doesn't like the nicknames. He doesn't like the way that entrances are disrespected. He doesn't like the, the, the lack of continuity and storylines. In NXT, you see what he likes, right? The time is going to come where that power struggle is going to happen. Kevin Dunn's probably going to be pushed out. I could see Michael Cole going the way of JR, the way this man treated JR. And I could see him kind of being pushed to the side a little bit. Uh, and Corey Graves is a Triple H guy. So he'll probably be around, and then maybe the nicknames are going to come down. On the June 5 edition, Corey Graves was down to 14 examples of nicknames. On the June 12 edition, he was down to 12. And since then, he's back up in the high 20s. I feel like something happened. I feel like somebody talked to him. Yeah, it seems like it, doesn't it? It does. It does. Uh, and then SmackDown, real quickly, SmackDown is, uh, is, going, is doing things right. 20 usages in two hours, and of those 20... Uh, 11 of them were either Mr. Money in the Bank or Miss Money in the Bank. Mm-hmm. 11 of the 20. So they got it way down. And, and the guys that used it most, JBL 10, Tom Phillips 6. Not terrible. Not too bad. You're going to have that with the Money in the Bank situation probably in the weeks leading up. Well, obviously in the weeks leading up to it and following it. So that's not that's not exactly. that surprise to me. It's not too bad. No, it's not too bad. But Raw clearly is the – and we know that Raw, as we talked about, is I think considered the flagship to Vince McMahon. Uh, I don't know an hour longer too. 
Yeah, and an hour longer, but still, if you if you if you average it by the hour, Ross still way ahead. It's not even close. Yeah, but uh, I kind of wonder again if you know maybe Vince it cares more about the production of Raw as opposed to SmackDown. Maybe Vince is on the headsets more for Raw than he is for SmackDown. I wish a lot of his quirks, which will be addressed in this week's Fightful Books, it uh, would go away. Hmm. Well, we'll see, man. I mean, he's he's uh, and again, I don't I don't wish harm on anybody, but uh, he's not immortal. And the time is going to come when Hunter's going to step in and take over. So I mean, you know, in a way, I, I can kind of understand it because I'm sitting here and I'm like, gosh, I couldn't even imagine being 75 and wanting to let go of a Fightful because it's something that that like me, you, and Lindsay and all these people who work with us helped create. What we see now is something that he helped create and was – like part of his vision, and he doesn't want to relinquish that to somebody else. Like, sure. What if it? What if it doesn't work out? What if it? What if it? What if the same thing ha- that happened to his father happens to him, and his vision is taken to something completely different than what he wanted? Because oh, I get it. I yeah, get because it. Because Vince often says, "If my dad knew what I was going to do, he probably wouldn't have sold me the company." So. Sure. And not only that, but I mean, Vince McMahon, he's, this has been his life. I mean, it's, it's pretty common knowledge. Vince is not the kind of guy that takes a bunch of vacations. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not the kind of guy that likes to sleep in. And if he's all of a sudden going to retire, what the hell is he going to do? I mean, this, hey, this you is know what I wasn't the kind of guy who liked to take vacations or sleep in, but fightful changes a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be in Toronto in about a month's time, my friend. I'm excited. I'm very excited. So, My wife has off that week. Yeah. It worked now, out have very, you, very well. Now, have you thought about what you're going to do? So you have the Friday to yourself that, that week. Yeah. Have, so uh, we fly out that Wednesday. We're going to go stay in Cincinnati the night before. That way, it's it's just an easier transition. So I'm going to see if, maybe if Alex can fill in for me on the SmackDown podcast if I can't make it because you never know how hotel connections will be. Yeah. Uh, we fly out Wednesday morning. I'll get there how great is it, Jimmy, that it's a hashtag 90-minute flight for the hashtag 90-minute man? Isn't that cute? Yeah, there you it's go. It's great. It's great. So we'll get there. I don't know where the hell your offices are. Don't know how Uptown. I'll get there. But uh, You're going to have to get a cab. I'll get a cab, get an Uber. Do they do Uber there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's Toronto, man. Come on. They do everything. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, I heard when somebody messaged me when they found out I was going, they said, Toronto is the future. I don't know about that, but I mean, have you ever been to New York before? No. Okay, so, I mean, if you've never been to New York, you should go. Yeah. But Toronto is essentially a smaller, cleaner New York. I had a lot of people begging me to go, or not begging, nagging me to go to New York for SummerSlam this year. And I'm like, had I not went to the Royal Rumble, I would consider it. But for me, it's hard for me to be out of this office for the Royal Rumble and SummerSlam. That's that's tough. Right. That's, that right, that right. would be a, a tough one. Maybe next year I'll, I'll try to make it up there. Plus, sandwiched yep. in between Toronto and Orlando, that would be really hard. Yep. I saw that James Lynch, Lynch wants to meet you, and yeah. uh, a fellow that, that reads our site, Mark, I think his name is, he wants to meet you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told you, since you don't come out this way very often, you got to do Niagara Falls. It's only about an hour drive away or so. You I'll try to make that, that happen. Out. Yeah, you should. You should. But yeah, uh, Wednesday we're going to do the podcast live, and then uh, we are. What's thir- Thursday afternoon is the ball game, correct? 
Yeah, so so I, I put you up at a pretty decent hotel, as you're going to see. Uh, yeah, I, I did see. Oh, did you? I, I did see, thanks. It's a pretty decent hotel. Yeah, it's solid. Any, anybody, anybody from Toronto knows the Shangri-La. It's aight. <laughs> <laughs> so you can probably walk to Sky Dome from there. It's a little bit of a trek, but not too bad. Mm-hmm. And so I'll have you meet us at the Sky Dome, Rogers Center. And uh, it's a matinee. The game's going to be over probably by 3, 4 o'clock, and then uh, you're on your own because I'm going to go home. Well, I always wanted to go to a day game, especially. At- yeah. At the Sky Dome, so I'm pretty pretty pumped for that. And me and my wife are gonna fly out Saturday morning, so your boy can get back in time to cover Cormier versus Jones too. So uh, I'm gonna have to have all hands on deck for that week because I'll be in and out. I'll have a laptop with me or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, there's it's a wild time. I'm excited. I can't wait to go to Toronto. Also, Jimmy can't wait for this weekend. I have a birthday party I'm going to Saturday, but I'm coming back in time to like tweet the G1 special, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll be around for Pacquiao versus Horn. I think Carlos and Steve are going to try to do a uh, post-Pacquiao Horn podcast. By the way, guys, if y'all want to watch that fight, it is on ESPN. But is that Saturday? Yes. Saturday, so we okay. got two events going side-by-side Saturday, two events side-by-side Sunday. Just to clarify, you guys, the G1 special night two is on Sunday, it won't air on Access until the following week, but it will air on New Japan World with English commentary. David's going to cover that, uh, while I believe Ryan Cook covers Impact Slammiversary. I've been doing interviews for both of which uh, all week long. Got tons of content. We got tons of stories, interviews, audio, video coming up for that. Whichever show ends last, whether it's G1 Special Night 2 or Impact, I will be doing a post-show podcast right after to kind of wrap up the weekend. I'm really excited. Now, Jimmy, I know you're not like all hip to the New Japan and all that stuff, but this is big, and they sold out in three minutes, and Kenny mm. Omega has said, next time we come, I want them to triple the venue size. I want them mm. to do this. And to really speak to Kenny Omega, who is a pretty big star right now, his confidence in New Japan, he said, yeah, I had people, like, he hasn't been taking United States dates until now, mm. and people wondered, well, how was it so simple for him? Because mm-hmm. he had visa issues. Because he didn't work for Ring of Honor for a majority last year. Mm-hmm. He said, I had a lot of companies that wanted to bring me over on a visa, but I didn't want to do it to just do it. I am a New Japan mm-hmm. guy. I wanted to do it with them to show them how much they mean to me and vice versa. Does he still live in Canada? Do you he know? does still live in Canada. So he'll, run, he'll work Canadian Ring of Honor shows, but he said this opens him up to working PWG and ROH right. more. This is a big move. Josh Barnett wants them to do quarterly shows. I think that'd be a good idea. Access seems to be, for lack of a better term, balls deep in New Japan right now. I'm very excited and optimistic about this because they're putting on some familiar faces with some of their homegrown talent. I think this weekend's going to be big for them. You know, all the years that Bobby Roode has been in wrestling, which has been a lot of years, he has maintained his home base in Peterborough, Ontario, which is uh, it's, uh, uh, an hour or so east of Toronto. And I always thought that was interesting. And Kevin Owens, who lived in Florida when he signed with the company, was in NXT. Once he made the main roster, he moved back to Montreal. Came right back. Yeah. And so Kenny Omega is still in Winnipeg? I believe so. Yeah. He still wrestles really? for ACW. Like, really? Press- yeah. And that was the thing hmm. that he said. Guys, go check out that press conference audio. I can't put over how great and how fun that was to and access set it up perfectly. They were way ahead of the game. They did this thing where we submit questions 
live electronically, and their PR guy asked them. Mm-hmm. And he was like, anything you all want to ask, uh, you you bring us. I mean, he addressed like the Shibata and Hanma injuries. He addressed his visa status. Like it was, huh. it was great. We have those up on our exclusive section, obviously, and we got stories coming all week long. New Japan this weekend. That's a big move for Impact, a very important show. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do a weekend wrap up. Might be me solo. Might have somebody with me. I don't know. And being Honestly. a small town boy, Sean, because I know that you are a small town southern boy. When you come to Toronto, maybe I'll uh, I'll arrange for you to get a nice table at the Brass Rail or at Sundowners in Niagara Falls. So uh, you nice. let me know. Hey, let me know. Whatever I got to make happen. I'm trying not to be a small town boy. <laughs> me and my wife are hoping to make a move to Lexington in a few years. When okay, any she anybody anybody that listens to this that's from Toronto or Niagara Falls, they're gonna chuckle when they hear that I just offered to get you a table at the Brass Rail or the Sundowner. They're gonna chuckle when they hear that. What is that? A, a strip club? Yeah. Hey, the wife might not, might not be down for it, but you know I can I can lose her ass Sean, for a little while. All I'm gonna say, and I, I've I've heard this, I have not experienced this personally. They do it a little bit differently in Ontario. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to follow that one up. Uh, no, I think we shouldn't. I think that's it. Guys, the list and your boy every Wednesday at 3 p.m. I want you all to go check out uh, our other flagship show in Holy Smokes MMA podcast. If you all don't even like MMA, I really want you all to to just give it a shot. Check it out. We've had dozens of people say that that show got them into MMA, and that uh, that makes me so happy. Nothing makes me happier than that. Saying that we are responsible for somebody checking out MMA or or anything of that manner. Me and Joe, we pull no punches. Sean Pearson, who we had on the show this week, also pulled no punches. We get He's people awesome. like we get people like Frank Trigg, who have been high level fighters and is now a referee. I remember when we started that format, Jimmy, I was like, Trigg is a guy we're going to have on probably every week because there is mm-hmm. always a ref in controversy. So mm-hmm. we get his aspect, and he isn't afraid to pull or to, to go in on people. But I've got a Fightful Books at this week. Uh, you can check all this out at FightfulPods.com. I want you all to use the Fightful forums. But check out our new visual changes over at Fightful.com. Our, uh, our main page looks hot, Jimmy. Things are looking good, yeah. We're working on a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, too, so you're going to see uh, – we're going to be growing in the next few months, the oh, stuff yeah. that we're, we're working on. Shout-outs to, to Lindsay and her team for putting that, that front page and, and the visual changes together. That woman works her ass off. So, she is awesome. She is great. Jimmy, anything to add before we go? Uh, no. Uh, if you want to get in Lindsay's good book, she really enjoys bacon – Ooh. So if uh, if Kentucky does anything fancy with bacon or anything special, bring it. She'll well, love it. I I would, but I mean it would be bad by the time I brought it. Uh, depends on you know if it's like freeze dried or smoked or. Do you know, you know what? I might be able to send her some bacon. Maybe. Oh, she I would. Mean, she would. Maybe. She would love it. Now, now before, when you say bacon, we have bacon here, and then there's. Canadian bacon. Yes. What's we call it? So we call it back bacon or pea meal bacon. Uh, pea meal bacon. Uh-huh. I don't like back bacon. It's uh, like ham. It's thick, and I, I'm not a fan of it. I prefer but, but regular bacon. I'm wondering if this is like soccer, football, football, soccer stuff no. like that. Like, are you no, referring no. to bacon like 
Bacon, bacon. Cook it in a... But is Canadian bacon 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 to you? No, Canadian bacon. I'll tell you what, Sean. I will show you when you're here. All right? Okay. I'll show you. It's we really don't confusing, it, Jimmy. We don't call it Canadian bacon. No shit. We, you would just call it bacon. They no. don't call Bra- Brazil nuts Brazil nuts in Brazil. They're just nuts. They're just nuts? Yeah. No. Ba- Canadian bacon is not bacon here. Wait, it's there's, there's one more thing I wanted to address before we go. And I know we're running a little over. Did yeah. you see them... Teabag my man Tazawa on that Great Balls of Fire graphic. Uh, you saw, I heard I saw something that you posted, but I haven't uh, paid a lot of attention. Head over to fi- Instagram.com slash Fightful Online. See what they did to poor Tazawa. They teabagged him. Cheap Check plug. Guys, I want to thank you all so much for joining us. Subscribe, like, thumbs up, all that good stuff. Until next time, we are out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.